Hi, and welcome to this audio edition of Polygamy, What Love Is This? with host Doris Hansen. On this program, we discuss polygamy and Mormon fundamentalism from a biblical Christian perspective. We talk about the history of polygamy, its modern-day fruit, share stories from people who have escaped polygamy, and talk about current events relating to polygamy. You can learn more about the video edition of this program at whatloveisthis.tv. And now, here's Doris. Welcome to Polygamy, What Love Is This? I'm your host, Doris Hansen, and we talk all about Mormon polygamy. And this time, we are going to be looking at the LDS doctrine of eternal polygamy. But before we get started on today's topic, I'd just like to remind our viewers that if you or anyone that you know is in polygamy and would like help in escaping safely, you can contact us at Children Refuge Ministry. You can go to our website, Uh, shieldandrefuge.org or you can call our toll-free number which is 877-425-9993 and talk about it. All information of course is held in complete confidence. We do help mothers with children, a few children or many children whoever needs help we'll talk to you about helping you and if you would like to make comments or if you have questions about our shows or if you'd like to be a guest on one of our shows you can email us and our address is email at whatloveisthis.tv or for telephone calls regarding the show please call 385-240-2888 and now I would like to welcome our co-host Again, Earl Erskine. Hi, Doris. Nice to be here. Back again to help out with the uh, information that we've got this to present. This is a good one again. <laughs> Another good one. Another it's gym. always good information yes. coming out for us to use to it. talk about. Recently, a book was published entitled The Ghost of Eternal Polygamy, Haunting the Hearts and Heaven of Mormon Women and Men. It was written by Carol Lynn Pearson, a Mormon woman who questions Joseph Smith's polygamy and eternal polygamy. Now, this is a timely and a very well done treatment on the topic of LDS polygamy. So we're going to discuss some of the interesting points that she's made in her book. And this probably will hit more closer to you as a former LDS than me because I came out of the polygamy groups. Now, we disagree with much of what she writes regarding Mormon theology, and she fails to test Mormon doctrine with biblical teaching, and she also rejects Joseph Smith's polygamy. She continues to revere him as a prophet of God. But even so, she has some insightful points regarding polygamy and how it hurts the hearts of men and women in the Mormon religion. Now, of course, we add that it also hurts the hearts of many lives of many men and women and girls in Mormon fundamentalists today as well. Polygamy has hurt thousands and thousands upon thousands of people in Mormonism since Joseph Smith first took his first plural wife and broke Emma's heart. The author praises the Mormon people as intelligent and hard workers, and we don't disagree that there are some great people, both in the LDS church and in polygamy groups. But we cannot categorize the leadership as being great because they all continue to feed members the lies and the deceits that began with Joseph Smith. We have a quote from page six of her book. We carry a peculiar burden, an extra layer of male entitlement and female impediment that no other religious body in the Judeo-Christian tradition has to carry. A very distressing and complicated past and present and future with God. 
God-ordained polygamy. Now, she often uses God, the, the phrase like this, God-ordained polygamy. So our question must be, is she referring to their claim that God commanded polygamy, or does she believe that, that God did command polygamy? And her book addresses this question. It goes yeah. back and forth with it. So um, it's, it's very good treatment that she does in the book. She refers to the official statement on the LDS.org website, which she quotes on pages 6 and 7. Interesting. Polygamy, says the church, we gave that up long ago. But on this, we do not tell the truth. We do not even tell it slant. We tell it veiled and hope the story will not be examined closely. Any member of the LDS Church today that enters the practice of polygamy is immediately excommunicated. But polygamy itself has never been excommunicated. It is still a member in good standing, waiting on the other side to greet us in heaven and causing large injury here on earth. Poly uh, polygamy delayed is still polygamy. That's true, isn't <laughs> that's it? That's true. And, you know, and that's what this book is basically all about, is, is talking and, and this particular yeah question that she brings up. She explains that polygamy is alive and well in the LDS church, that it is a dreadful ghost hidden away with a dark life all of its own, that it inflicts psychological and emotional and profound pain and fear in Mormon men and women, especially women, and of course ensuring them that they are still objects, that yeah. women are still objects. She accurately points out that polygamy is damaging and destroying marriages, bringing chaos into family relationships, causing many to lose faith in the LDS Church and in God Himself, and that is the sad part. A very important part of Pearson's book is that she records the responses of many people regarding how the doctrine of Mormon polygamy has affected them, emotionally and psychologically, and she acknowledges that a widowed or divorced Mormon man can be sealed in the temple to more than one woman, and he remains secure in sure. the belief that they will all be his wives in eternity. She quotes what one woman said regarding her dread of an eternity that includes polygamy. <laughs> I feel incredible dread of an eternity in which I am assured I will have to live as a plural wife. This sounds like hell to me. <laughs> In her research for writing the book, Pearson conducted a survey of which 8,000 people responded. That's big, that big numbers. Huge. And she shares several of their comments about their emotional and psychological experiences regarding this looming eternal polygamy. And she concluded correctly that polygamy is not a thing of the past for Mormons. It is a ghost to many of them, and it creates tension in their lives and in their marriages. She said that almost 91% yeah. of the respondents uh, in her survey were current members of the LDS Church, and 51% of them were very active current members. I find that interesting. A little, little higher than I would think, maybe. But, <laughs> but for this survey, that's what the so. percentage of active uh, Mormons are. So it's an impressive response. Yeah. <clears throat> and we want to quote from some of their comments of her respondents that she shared in the book. One LDS woman expressed profound grief in just thinking about eternal polygamy, and she ended her letter like this. I want to feel the assurance from God that my happiness, both now and eternally, is important to Him. But polygamy in the next life seems like a punishment, not eternal glory. And you know, that's true. Mormon fundamentalists would agree that polygamy is more of a punishment than a blessing in this life. 
Another respondent said the following. Recently, my highly orthodox mother and I had a conversation that I found devastating. She said, the one thing that would cause me to lose my faith and leave the church would be if the bishop called your dad and me in and told us that we had been chosen to practice polygamy. Good heavens. I couldn't do it. I will never do it. I said, even if you truly thought the instruction came straight from God, even then I don't care who it came from. <laughs> That's a deep, That's quite a, a deep emotional quite a response. Pain. Yeah. Yes. Another one wrote that she knew that e the eternal harems are the expectations of many Mormon men. And she said yeah. she's seen countless marriages that are damaged by their belief in eternal polygamy. Some of these men are actually lining up women <laughs> to marry in the next life. And, and I personally have heard myself where men are choosing women and even proposing to women here to be their plural wives in the next life. It's so it it's happens. always a tongue-in-cheek uh, topic, you know, about having But a, it's in the background. About, it's, it's, it's still there, there because it's, it's still, still LDS doctrine. Yeah, it's still there. And, and, of course, she's convinced, too, that polygamy contributes to the LDS porno pornographic or pornography epidemic because yeah. it encourages men to shop for his eternal harem. Sexual activity, of course, is a large part of the foundation of Mormonism. And even worse... She said, if a man's mind is already crazy with the idea of polygamy, he may even take a 14-year-old girl out of her bed at knife point in the middle of the night. Well, we all know <laughs> that that not only can happen, but has happened. Yeah. Pearson writes much about how she loves Joseph Smith. She was invited to write a play about him some time ago and actually studied his life for over two years to prepare for writing the play. And during that time, she said she fell in love with the man, Joseph Smith. But we cannot but wonder how anyone can love Joseph Smith after studying a true history about his exploitations. Mm -hmm. He deceived and he hurt so many women and girls regarding polygamy. In today's world, Joseph Smith would be sharing the prison cell with Warren Jeffs. He was a predator and he was a pedophile. And even more astounding is what she wrote on page 34. Yeah, but women's issues with a whole mess of polygamy dead center, that was Joseph's fault, unless it was God's fault. I still sometimes entertain that terrible thought. So there you are, back and forth. Who did this, yeah. Joseph or God? Joseph or God? And yeah. that seems to be the pain that they're going through. And that's the whole point, actually. Polygamy is either God's fault or Joseph Smith's fault. We know that the polygamy groups do, and Joseph Smith himself claimed and did blame polygamy on God. According to their doctrine, it is God's command. And yet she says that's unthinkable for her. Well, how can Joseph Smith be loved and revered as a prophet of God and at the same time his claims and behavior be rejected? It's illogical to reject anything he said God said if he was a true prophet. If what a prophet said God said isn't true, then he's a false prophet through and through from beginning to end. And this entire book is about rejecting Joseph Smith's polygamy as just being a colossal error while retaining him as a prophet of God. But if he was a prophet, polygamy isn't an error. If polygamy is an error, then he was not a prophet ever. Yeah. 
God does not give us the privilege of picking and choosing what to believe and what to reject. If the prophet is from God, it's all or none. Yet, as we read more of her comments, as well as those who were part of her survey, we discover that most of them want to be a Mormon for eternity, loving Joseph Smith and serving his doctrines, at least all of them but polygamy. Well, polygamy. <laughs> Mormonism stands or falls on the truth and the integrity of Joseph Smith, where Christianity stands or falls on the truth of Jesus Christ. And there's a huge difference. Joseph commanded polygamy. Jesus Christ ordained monogamy. The bottom line is there is no polygamy in heaven. And God didn't ordain it here. <laughs> and a lot of pain and agony could be avoided if the LDS people would just believe what Jesus said. Pearson, along with thousands of other Mormon and polygamist uh, women through the decades, have wondered why God seems to present male as superior to female. I know. That's hard. <laughs> From the Christian viewpoint, that's not true. Yeah, that's true. God created both male and female in his image, and he created them equal in value with each other, with no exceptions. Several times in the Bible, God tells us he does not show favoritism. But in Joseph Smith's Mormonism, not all are equal. Male and female, rich and poor, are treated differently in Mormonism. And if Mormons and polygamists would believe what God has said about himself, it would release them from much grief, especially the grief of polygamy and the emotional havoc the ghost of eternal polygamy causes. Pearson writes about her temple marriage. Yeah, and it'd be interesting if all Mormons that go to the temple would really listen to these words. I did notice that the words uniting us forever were different for him than they were for me. I gave myself and received him. He received me, but did not give himself. There was no equal giving and receiving. I find that very, very interesting. interesting. Yeah, in that, in this, and in I the, listened to that many times. Mm, and I Did it connect? Did it ring a was bell? A connection? No. Well, she, she thought about this, of course, much her. later. Yeah. And she later realized that the reason for the difference in the wording was to accommodate plural marriage for the man. Sure. So that he can receive multiple women in the next life, but a woman can give herself only to one man. So the man receives and the woman gives. Section 132 is, sounds, like is, polygamy, uh, sounds like polygamy. This, of course, is Mormon polygamy. Yeah. The LDS continued to include polygamy in their rituals and in their eternity. Obviously, polygamy was, has not given up on the LDS people. Now, Pearson is personally persuaded that polygamy was a big mistake from the beginning. That plural marriage never was and is not now and never will be ordained of God. But that cannot be true if Joseph Smith was a true prophet. One respondent said this. On page 47, I wish today's church leaders would take seriously the message about polygamy in Jacob 2.35 of the Book of Mormon. And quoting, Ye have broken the hearts of your tender wives, and the sobbings of their hearts ascend up to God against you. Polygamy is still with us. The sobbing of women's hearts is going on all over the church, and our leaders don't seem to care. Yeah, sad. Wow. 
-hmm. and, and, and we agree that the leaders, they probably don't care. In fact, some of them have already been sealed to the plural wives themselves so that they'll, they've yeah. already got their harem started. But the point is this. Did or did not command God command polygamy? That's yeah. the whole point. Did God restore Old Testament polygamy as Joseph Smith claimed? If he did, then it doesn't matter what the church leaders or the members think, or whether they even like it or not. That's true. If they can change or remove what God commanded as an everlasting covenant, then something is dreadfully wrong, either with their religion or with their God or both. God has never given a command that is contingent upon being accepted by popular vote of sinful humans or cultural trends. On page 50, she relates another woman's grief regarding eternal polygamy. I had given up my personal identity to my religion and saw myself as one of potentially many wives. My temple marriage was a painful sham, but I was told by church leaders I needed to stay in it. I'm young, barely turned 40, so this was not a generational ideology. This is current brainwashing and it needs to stop. Well, I would agree <laughs> that it's brainwashing and it needs to stop, but again, it goes back to the question, yeah. who ordained polygamy, who ordained God or Joseph Smith? Another respondent asked the question, uh, she, and, uh, the, and I wonder now why she said our church leaders don't pay attention to what the Book of Mormon says about polygamy, which this last quote yeah. was about. But we wonder why Joseph Smith didn't pay attention to what the Book of Mormon said he about wrote it, polygamy. Yeah. <laughs> he wrote the Book of Mormon, yeah. and it is anti-polygamy, just like the Bible is. Well, she continues to share what another woman wrote about her concept of eternal polygamy. I then came to realize something remarkable. In my heart, I did not believe polygamy came from God at all. I believe it was a terrible mistake by an imperfect prophet to say polygamy is from God and keep teaching it as doctrine when women and girls suffer and struggle and bitterly hate. It is wrong. So she has a problem with polygamy, <laughs> as we all should. But this illogical reasoning merely justifies Joseph Smith as an imperfect prophet who is excused from giving false revelation. But God said that everything a prophet says in his name must be true or we must reject everything he said. So, do we believe God or the LDS Church and Joseph Smith who bragged that God gave him the blessings of Jacob, which means taking plural wives? Yeah. Smith said polygamy was an eternal and everlasting covenant. All the subsequent LDS prophets up to and including Heber J. Grant repeated and confirmed what Joseph Smith taught about polygamy and they were all polygamists themselves. So it was not just a mere man making an uh, who made a mistake yeah. with this, one man who was an imperfect prophet, it was a catastrophic lie that, that is rippling through Mormonism even into the future, profoundly hurting members of the LDS religion. The excuse that Smith was only a human and made mistakes is absurd, especially when we consider Jesus. Jesus was perfect and we are called to follow only him and listen only to him. Jesus was perfect, and he said a marriage consisted of two people, a man and a woman, and that there is no marriage after this life. Although we appreciate the, author, the author's efforts 
and the agony that she portrays regarding eternal polygamy for the LDS, we must disagree with her loyalty to the man who brought into Mormonism all this grief, ugliness, and false doctrine of polygamy. I was raised in a polygamy group. I know what it is. And it's worse today than it was when I was growing up. On page 55, Mm. she noted that Joseph Smith's plural marriages to married women likely were not consummated, but instead were only eternal sealings. Not so, (laughs) according to personal testimonies. And there's a lot of them. I know. (laughs) Faithful Mormon, Prescindia D. Huntington, who was Normal Buell's wife and simultaneously a plural wife of the prophet Joseph Smith, said that she did not know whether her husband Norman or the prophet was the father of her son Oliver. And at a glance at the photo of Oliver shows a strong resemblance to Emma Smith's boys. <laughs> well, <laughs> and, and it wasn't just her either. The meds. Yeah, there was we just others. talked about Zena Huntington yeah. and, and uh, several of the other women who were um, plural wives, married to other women, and and uh, that he went into their beds, and, and he, people witnessed that. Mm-hmm. It was and uh, the the, yeah. the wives themselves yeah. wrote that uh, yeah. he and did have sex with them. So it's more likely that Joseph Smith did have sex with these married women um, than not. She writes that the LDS believed God commanded plural marriage, and that He ended the command. Well, that, that's what they believe today. Yeah. But we know, and we know they believe that, but actually it is impossible that God would command something and then uncommand it and then condemn it at the same time. And besides that, eternal means forever. Yeah. And, and so I'm does the word everlasting. It. And that is how Joseph Smith related plural marriage. We must ask the question, where in the Bible did Joseph Smith get his idea that God commanded polygamy in the Old Testament? It isn't there. Not even in Joseph Smith's version of the Old Testament. It's not there. And the LDS leaders have compounded that by continuing to say that that God commanded it. And and it's not there. The author um, relates many reasons that today's LDS teachers give for the practice of Mormon pioneer polygamy, most of which are false. (laughs) And one of these reasons is that there were more righteous women than men, so more women would qualify for the celestial kingdom where marriage is essential. But you have to be married before you get there, right? Yeah, that's true. Anyway, we have a quote from page 59. Hancock said of this battle, the war in heaven, that no females took part against the father and the son, and consequently the father decreed that for every male that has kept his first estate, there are two females. So there you have it, (laughs) two for one there. Well, this is some man's dream, of course, it's, it's, it's nonsense. She relates several other reasons given for the practice of polygamy, and she ends with the statement, we will have to wait until we get to heaven to know if this is true. Actually, we can know right this moment if it's true because the Bible gives us the answers. And it clearly tells us that heaven, what heaven is like regarding marriage and family. Jesus himself told us there are no marriages in heaven. We will be like the angels and angels do not have sex in heaven. There's no sexuality in heaven. Jesus said it and that ends it. She writes about what someone said, which we also frequently hear, that if it wasn't for polygamy, many of us wouldn't (laughs) be here today. Oh, she had a good answer to that. (laughs) Yeah, that's a little insightful. 
I'm sure that many beautiful children have been born as a result of every war that's ever occurred, all the rape, all kinds of strange situations and terrible errors, none of which proves that war, rape, and terrible errors are good after all. And that's a, that's yeah. a very good answer. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Just because there's rape, God doesn't need rape to bring people into this no. planet. And you and me, we don't need to come any particular way. God can can populate this planet any way He wants and bring any human into existence any way He wants, um, despite the sins of simple uh, human beings who claim that He commanded something that He did not command. And it's a great point that He used. In fact, He, he in the critical times in the Old Testament, yeah. Adam and Eve. Yeah. And and Noah, and Noah and the flood. They were all monogamous. They, and that would yeah. have been, you would think, if, yeah. if there was any time that polygamy <laughs> would have been ordained, it would have been during the creation and also after the flood. Yeah, and this is, but maybe she's taken a good step here. I mean, maybe I she's so. being able to willingly look at, even Joseph Smith, she says that she, the fact that she's feeling like she has to defend him may be a step in the right direction, but she's certainly come to a conclusion that uh, there were problems with polygamy and maybe eventually she'll take that next step and be able to realize that that Joseph was not who he said he was and it really answers all the questions that I ever had about the Mormonism, mm -hmm. the Book of Abraham and the Book of Mormon yeah. and yeah. all those things, polygamy and, and taking other men's wives yeah. Thinking for a second that Joseph Smith was not the prophet that he said he was answers all those questions. It, it answers them all, every yeah. one of them. Yeah. And I realize that it is a hard decision to come to to reject it's a Joseph Smith. Big moment. Because he is so um, so revered in from, from the cradle, the Mormon yeah. faith just holds him up. It almost catches and, your breath when you even think about it, to yeah. say it. Yeah. yeah, I've heard from others that have said that was one of my defining moments when I could actually. I don't think he was a prophet. Yeah. That's big. Yeah, yeah. huge. It yeah. is big. Yeah. And yet in Deuteronomy, God said that everything the prophet says, if it doesn't come true, if it isn't true, yeah. we have to not be afraid of him and just yeah, just, just reject him all. Yeah. Jesus called him false prophets. Yeah. And, and even if he produces miracles, even if he does a miracle, but what he prophesies isn't true, we still have to reject him. Yeah. And so I think that is a very difficult thing for people to do. I know when I first left the polygamy group, I thought I was leaving behind the truth. I hated what it was, but I thought it but was the truth. But you were leaving the truth. And, it's, and it's you like, were prepared to go to hell. I was prepared to go to hell because of that. So I do know what the difficulty is well, we psychologically. About and she mentioned that earlier, we, we read that, where it's an extra whole layer. Mm -hmm. that you have to deal with coming out of polygamy. It is, and we have part two coming up because yep. there's more to it. Yep. Thank you, Earl. You bet. And we'll see you next time. Okay. You know, the doctrine of eternal polygamy is alive and well and dwelling as a terror in the hearts and minds of many Mormon men and women. The Mormon church does pay lip service to the polygamy ban, but they haven't banned future polygamy. Polygamy remains in Mormon literature, official LDS lessons, official Mormon scriptures. It's there, and it's never been renounced or removed. Some LDS leaders boast that they will have more than one wife in heaven. Well, they can claim anything is true, but that doesn't make it true. God said there is only one foundation we can build our faith upon, and that foundation is Jesus Christ himself. And Jesus said the law of marriage ends at death. 
there are no marriages in heaven. Believing Jesus would certainly relieve all the pain and agony and worry about polygamy in heaven. So we'll see you next time for part two of this discussion. God bless. This has been the audio podcast edition of Polygamy, What Love Is This? This program is a production of A Shield and Refuge Ministry and Main Street Church of Brigham City. You can view current and past video episodes as well as download audio episodes of this program at whatloveisthis.tv. If you or someone you know is in need of assistance in leaving a polygamous situation, please contact us. We are here to help. All of our contact information can be found at shieldandrefuge.org or call us at 877-425-9993. If you have any questions or comments about this or any of our other programs, we'd love to hear from you. Write us at email at whatloveisthis.tv. Thanks for listening, and we hope you'll join us again.